Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Bruce. Good morning, Rick. Mr. Lee, how are you doing today? Uh, Rick, I couldn't remember even if I knew. (laughs) For whatever reason, as I'm getting older, I'm just not remembering nearly as much as I should. You don't want to put all the weight on my shoulders because I'm not going to be able to carry it. No, I agree with that. My memory is not the best either. (laughs) Well, Rick, one thing I do remember that I want to talk about to start us off this week was a comment on last week's show. Boy, was it a popular program. We got so much response, uh, very favorable too. Uh, I was happy to pass along to our guest from last week, Drew, that his new company is probably going to be in pretty good shape because there's a lot of people who responded really positively to the idea of aquamation as opposed to fire cremation. I I must admit, I I wouldn't have expected that going into the interview, but by the time I was done with that interview, I said, hey, this is one of our top 10 shows. I think this is really a, a message that the public needs to hear and will affect the public in a large way. You know, we, we've taken for granted whatever steps and procedures we take with our deceased animal, right? right. And this shakes that all up, you know? Uh, and, and it also has just the best message possible with respect to uh, CO2 emissions, uh, you know, basically what's what's better for the planet? This by a long shot, you know. Right. So I personally will never consider fire cremation again for my pets. Right. I will definitely, you know, call Drew up and say, hey, Drew, I'm coming over, you know. But, yeah, uh, so great show. Um, I appreciate it. If anybody wants to listen in on that, it's uh, available for your listening. You know, we have podcasts. Right. Amazing we're we're that contemporary there, Lee. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. It was really shocking to me because I posted on Facebook on Friday what the show was going to be. And within two hours, we had 19 shares. Yeah. And that does not usually happen. And we ended up with more than 30 shares. And Drew contacted me on Saturday to ask me, did he do okay? Yeah. And I made a prediction to him of how many people we would get just on Facebook, let alone on the radio, on the podcast and with the Facebook. And we exceeded... I thought I'd given a pretty good estimate, and we exceeded that by another 20%. It it goes to show you that when people come up with new ways to accomplish things that tie into people's sentimentality and and their emotions because let's be honest you lose a pet and a lot of people lose it emotionally it's it's one of the saddest things that happens to people and uh i kudos to him for finding out about a great concept bringing it to michigan and bringing it onto this show was very smart yeah i you know we've been doing this for a dozen years yeah and I think from that, we've kind of uh, tailored our audience, and our audience is somewhat tailored towards, well, specifically tailored towards, 
you know, compassionate, caring for pets. So, yeah, that's a good one. Well, but, t- today's going to be a good one, too, because we've got Heidi Williams, who is the head of Ingham County Animal Control. And a lot of people, again, we've talked about it, used to consider that to be the dog catcher. And Heidi has done such a superior job in helping to frame Ingham County to be able to do positive things. But one thing that most people don't know is the positive of things that she does outside of work. Her personal life. Exactly. And she's involved with an organization called Buddy's Pals. And it's a great organization uh, working with kids, working with schools, working with dogs. And she's going to talk all about why she picked that organization over a lot of others, which she has access to. Uh, And we've got a couple of school teachers who have worked with them. And again, just great reports. So it's something that I think people need to hear about, positive ways that they too could get involved in helping kids and helping dogs. Yeah, not uh, not enough of that could be done. You know, it's been, we just got out of COVID. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of uh, emotional wrangling out there where kids have not been socialized and have had, you know, some rough times of it. And now we're kind of meeting a a social structure that to some is even unfamiliar. <laughs> and so having a, a, a dog present that's actually does, you know, kind of groomed to be, you know, socially uh, soothing, you yeah. know, kind of breaking the walls down and letting there be a giant invite uh, uh, to them to be real kids, loving kids, connected kids, as opposed to ones that are anxious and sitting in the corner, uh, you can't beat it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So that's what you're in for this week on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line Heidi Williams, who is the director of the Ingham County Animal Control. And when she takes her cape off and stops being a superhero by day, she's also involved with Buddy's Pals. So welcome back to the program, Heidi. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Always fun. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Uh, Heidi, can you explain to the public uh, what is Buddy's Pals and how and why did you get involved with them? Absolutely. So, yeah, Buddy's Pals is uh, pet-assisted learning. Um, They're educational comfort dogs uh, owned by volunteers that just love to work with kids and animals. Um, And it was formed in 2018 uh, by a lady named Loli. Um, who had a dog buddy or has a dog buddy. Buddy is a boxer, and he's fabulous. He's about six years old. And she recognized um, the link between, you know, kids feeling more comfortable um, when they're reading to animals and interacting with animals in an educational setting. Um, Dogs don't judge. So if you, you know, stumble over a word or don't know how to pronounce something, dogs don't care. They're just happy that you're there and you're paying attention to them. So kids feel more comfortable reading. I got involved with Buddies uh, when I, I was taking a dog that I adopted from the shelter here, actually, which was, he was part of a neglect case that we had a little over a year ago, and I adopted him, added him to my family, which <laughs> really don't need any more dogs, but hey, that's here nor, here nor there. <laughs> um, so brought him home, and right from the beginning, I just sensed that he would he'd be really great as a therapy dog or a comfort dog. So I started taking him to trainings at Annabelle's in DeWitt, and I learned about Buddy's Pals there, and I thought, well, wow, this sounds great because I love kids and I love animals, 
And so he and I got certified as a handler team in uh, January, and we've been going into schools and libraries, and we helped a lot after the MSU shootings, um, provided a lot of one-on-one support to students, faculty, the overall MSU community. And it's just been just heartwarming and just an amazing program. What percentage of dogs, Heidi, is someone who sees a lot of dogs at the shelter, what percentage of dogs truly do have the, not just the capacity to learn, but even the temperament that's needed to do the kind of work that you do with buddies? You know, that's really hard to put your thumb on. I'd say it's a relatively low percentage um, of dogs that would be happy doing this work. Um, You know, could dogs do it? Yeah, a lot of them could, but would they enjoy it? Maybe not so much. Um, the dogs and buddies pals are just really amazing. They, they don't have any, you know, secret uh, key. It's just mostly their temperament and the fact that they love people and they love kids. That's the big key. So like Bear, my dog, will go into schools. We go to Steel Street Elementary in Mason every week and he gets mobbed by like 30 kids and he's standing in the middle of a bunch of shrieking kids and he's just happy. He's wagging his tail. He's licking faces. He's seeking out more attention. And, you know, some dogs would just be really nervous in that situation, but bear just doesn't seem to mind. Um, And he's a baby yet. He's only 14 months old. So I'm really excited to see where, where he grows with this, if he continues to really love it like we do or, or not. But uh, I'd say it's a fairly small percentage. And from a time standpoint, How often do you bring the dog into the schools to work with them? Is this a weekly thing? Is this a monthly thing? I mean, what kind of a commitment does this represent? It really is how much um, the handler team wants to do and how much the dog is able to do. Um, So we noticed after the MSU tragedy, um, all of our dogs were very tired. They They were stressed out because they were working so much. Um, you know, secondary trauma is big for a dog, just like it is for people. The dogs were sensing and experiencing the grief and the loss, and it was really taking a toll on them. So a lot of our dogs needed to take a vacation for a couple of weeks. Um, but typically, when we're not dealing with a crisis situation, typically it's once or twice a week, um, or however much the handler feels that the dog can handle and how much time they want to dedicate um, right now with Bear, he's he's a solid superstar for about an hour, and after that, his puppy brain kicks in, and he's like, okay, we need to go do something else. So Bear's limit is once or twice a week for an hour at a time. We'll see, you know, as he gets a little bit older and more mature if that changes. Um, some of the dogs are happy for a couple of hours, three, four times a week. It just really depends on the dog and the handler. That probably goes without saying, but this is all volunteer-type uh uh, activities that uh, the main incentive for doing this is just to be doing social good, right? There's no other alternative motive that I could imagine, right? No, not, not at all. It's just it. people that love kids and dogs and, and want to help the community, and the schools are thrilled that um, that we exist. And, gosh, you know, it's so fun to go into the schools, you guys, because the kids just, well, you know, having an animal around just lightens the mood and it just is like the highlight to the kids' day, and they get to sit and read to the dogs, and then they get they get the dogs' trading cards. So they have baseball cards for each of the dogs that have their picture on them and tells a little bit about the dog and what they like and what their favorite toy is and things like that. And um, the kids trade those, you know, like hotcakes. Um, they get bookmarks and stickers for reading to the dogs, and it's just it's neat. We went to a library event a couple weeks ago, and. It was a read to the dogs library event in the evening, and a little boy had never been able to sit still long enough to read an entire book. 
and he leaned up against there and read an entire book cover to cover and his mom started crying and it was it was such an emotional thing and of course bear's like oblivious he's like i don't know i'm just getting love this is great and little boy was just having a ball and it was that's what it's all about yeah i i gotta admit that uh you know as as myself growing up uh i've mentioned it before on the show before but uh you know i'm reading impaired i guess would be just a short way of saying it and I I can remember being so judged uh, within the classroom when all eyes were on me and the class had to speak. Uh, you know, we we all took chairs. You know, it's your turn to read this chapter or this sentence, this paragraph, and then it's yours and yours. And every time it came to me, it was nothing but uh, absolute fright. And just to hear what you said about the one child that could literally get through a whole book and do it in a way that didn't raise anxieties. I mean, that's, to me, that, that's what would get me to quit. I'll, I'll go a certain amount, and then, then the pressure just gets too high, and I have to stop. You know, it's just yep. an uncomfortable experience. Yeah, and that's what Buddy's Pals tries to do is just bridge that gap and, and hopefully increase literacy rates by letting kids know that, you know, this is a safe place to read and um, no judgment, and um, just you can just see the kids relax, too, and it's, it's great. The dogs really seem to have a sense for the kids that need them the most, um, and they have just a wonderful connection to special needs kids. It's really, it's really emotional. Um, I'm, I tend to be a crier anyway, but it's just really emotional to see a dog and a kid connect on a level that we just don't understand. And um, just to see that bond be informed immediately, it's just, it's really, really special. Now, Heidi, why have the schools not moved on this sooner? Because the truth is, I've, uh, I remember an experience back when I was in high school where I did an exchange with a friend of mine. He went to a private school, Cranbrook, and I went to public school. And for one week, I went to his school and he came to mine. And one of the biggest surprises I got going to his school was when all of a sudden in the middle of one of his classes, the professor's dog came up to me. And I'm like, what is this dog doing in class? I didn't understand it, but it was explained to me that the dog makes the kids feel better and enjoy being in class. So my question is, if, if schools figured it out that long ago, why has it taken just the, the last few years for them to actually implement on this? Well, you know, honestly, I and think a lot of it comes down to Just so they know, that's 100 finances. years ago, right? Uh, not 100 years ago, <laughs> but more than a quarter century. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to financial resources. Um, you know, to have a facility dog, a, a highly trained and certified facility dog, can be, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, and with some schools, obviously, they just don't have that money. Um, so, you know, Buddy's Pals and, and organizations like Buddy's Pals, which actually I'm not really familiar if there are any other, um, I don't really know if there are any other similarly structured organizations in Michigan, but um, it fills that void and it doesn't cost the schools anything. Um, and they're just thrilled to have, have that service available. I think animals in the workplace and in educational settings has really um, increased over the last decade. I think people are seeing the benefits to it. Um, and I, I think we're getting over the scare of liability concerns and, oh, what if somebody doesn't like the dog or what if somebody's allergic? And we're realizing that there are ways to navigate those, those um, hurdles. 
and and schools are doing it. And major kudos to them. I think teachers, parents, administrators are seeing the benefits of this. Um, and you're even seeing it, like I said, with facility dogs. Um, Ingham County 911 has a new facility dog. Her name is Jessie. She's an Anatolian Shepherd, and she works at the center providing uh, support and comfort to the dispatchers. Um, so it's everywhere, and it's great. Now, when it comes to training these dogs, how long does it typically take for them to go through the program? So they have to be able to pass essentially a canine good citizen test with an emphasis on children. Um, for Bear, he was he maybe went through basic, intermediate, and advanced obedience. Um, so for him, it took him about six months. Um, but he was young too when we were uh, when we were training him, and he he couldn't test until he turned a year old. So we actually finished all of our obedience training in the fall, but he didn't turn a year old until December. So um, he's kind of a he's a little bit of a unicorn in that he's so young, but he's he's just suited for this work. He's he's a superstar. And when it comes to uh, the overall program, are there any restrictions, Heidi, in terms of the types of dogs that they would allow where perhaps there's concerns over certain breeds of dogs because they're quote-unquote scary looking and <laughs> therefore we don't want those types of dogs? I mean, is it does it get into things like that? Absolutely not. We judge the dog on their behavior and their suitability for the program, not their breed. Um, so we don't ban breeds. In fact, we do have pit bull or bully breeds that are participating in the program, and they're wonderful. And kids don't care. They just love dogs. Right. I, I, I was thinking when you started that very relatively few dogs would actually qualify for this. And the last thing you can probably afford to do is be judgmental in that way because trying to find the right dog is a difficult chore in and of itself, let alone ruling out breeds. You know that that are perfect. I mean, I can't think of, you know, you know some of these pit bull breeds if socialized properly and raised properly. Sometimes just because of their dis their their loyal disposition and their laid back disposition um, can make a perfect opportunity. It sounds like there's enough of a a sorting or um, review uh, process and training process that kind of vets all of those behaviors ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we um we don't we don't restrict based on breed. It's really the temperament um and the suitability of the dog. And they come in all different shapes and sizes. Um and really honestly kids just don't care. Kids are not judgmental about things like that like adults are. And that's I think the other refreshing part of working with the kids and the dogs is just very pure. Now do the kids get jealous of the kids who get the most time with the dogs. I mean, I can see where kids, just like when you you buy gifts for them and everybody wants to play with them at the same time, uh, is that an issue that happens with the dog? Or how do you sort through to make sure everyone gets equal time with them? Yeah, that's, that's the tough part. So like with Bear, with his one-hour-long attention span for an entire school, um, we really have to be kind of selective on, on where we spend our time. And that's where the counselors, the school counselors and social workers um, and administration really comes in. They can tell us that, you know, in this classroom, this student could really use some more time or we work with the teachers. Um, and basically, when I go into a school, I just kind of start walking through the hallways and sticking my head in the door. And if a teacher waves me to come in, 
we'll come in and we'll spend 10, 15 minutes. Maybe we'll read for a few minutes or just let the kids pet the dog. And then we'll just kind of make our way around. And I'll meet with the, with the school counselor and principal when I first get there. And if they have any special needs they want me to address right away, we will. Yeah, it'd be great if we could have, you know, enough dogs in the schools to be able to spend solid, you know, time with every kid. But that's just not feasible. Well, Heidi, we're about out of time. But if people are interested in getting involved with this organization or even seeing if their dog is suitable for it, uh, how do they do that? Absolutely. So they can visit the website at buddiespals.net. Um, there's information on all of the testing and how you can become a handler. And, you know, more importantly, we are trying to raise money to keep this program going. So if anybody would like to donate, there's a donate link on our website. And any amount of uh, donation is very, very much appreciated. We are always looking for more handlers. Gotcha. Well, we've been talking this morning with Heidi Williams from the Ingham County Animal Control and a handler for Buddy's Pals. Thank you so much, Heidi. We'll talk with you again soon. Thanks. Oh, our pleasure. And Rick will be back right after the break on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show at 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35, and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. Her name is Brooke Spone, and she is also a member of Buddy's Pals, and she happens to be a school teacher. Welcome to the show, Brooke. Thank you very much. Thanks oh, for having me. It's our pleasure. Brooke, can you explain to our audience what your experience has been with Buddy's Pals since you got started with them? Yeah, sure. So I was first introduced to Buddy's Pals, um, I think it's been three years ago now. And I am a special education teacher. Um, I currently teach second and third grade students. So Buddy and Lowly actually kind of just showed up one day. I didn't know much about Buddy's pals. And I see a dog and a kind-looking woman kind of peek their head into my classroom. And she said, hi, I'm from Buddy's pals. Can I pop in? And so that was kind of the beginning of our relationship, um, which I'm so thankful for. I was say, and when they visited, what was the response in the classroom? Yeah, so I had um, a variety of students, some with autism, um, some with just some learning needs, and I had a boy with Down syndrome, and I'll never forget um, his relationship with Buddy. It was amazing. I mean, just the kids, their faces just light up when they saw Buddy. And it happened to be a Monday that Loli and Buddy visited us. And as you know, Mondays can be difficult. Um, so the special thing that year, there was this bond that happened between Buddy and my student with Down syndrome. He had difficulty with reading. That was one area where he would get really frustrated, didn't want to read with me, um, didn't see the point. And anytime Buddy would come, well, there he was, like, sitting with Buddy, teaching Buddy, teaching Buddy his letters and his sounds and his words. And just that connection that he had with, with Buddy was something that I've never seen before. I mean, he was willing to practice his reading all through the week just to get to Monday where he could read with Buddy. It was just amazing to see. Now, 
is there any, give us a couple other, you know, kind of evidential, you know, understanding of other students at, at, at different levels that have had positive encounters with Buddy or future dogs other than just Buddy? Yeah, so I had a student with autism, and he was kind of fearful of dogs in general. So when we had um, actually a dog named Moxie was coming for a while with Buddy, and the student would kind of just stand off to the side pretty far away from the group and just kind of look, and any time one of the dogs would come try to come near him. He was, you know, back in a way, you could tell he was a little anxious, but there was also that element of no pressure. The dogs kind of, it's like they have a sense of anxiety in the room and they can tell when they're kind of overstepping and they would back away. And so through, it was a few months of visits, the boys started getting closer and closer to the dogs. And at one point he went up and touched buddy's back and we were all just like oh my gosh she's doing it like she's interacting with the dogs and we were so excited um and when moxie started coming he had this special connection with her and i'll um never forget the last day that we saw moxie he was actually down on the floor with moxie like pretending to play the drums on moxie's stomach and he just had the biggest smile on his face he was so happy, and to think of how far he came just from getting this weekly visit, you know, from dogs. So it's not even all about academics. There's just growth in so many other areas. Now with uh, the post-COVID, um, kind of a mm-hmm. strange school year last year and maybe the year before, and then mm-hmm. kids coming to you now in person, uh, something like a buddy's dog, would be particularly helpful. Uh, have you noticed anything mm-hmm. different about this year, maybe than previous years, as to the either either to the students and where they're where they're at as far as social interactions or how the dog has interacted in the classroom? Yeah, well, you know, one special thing that did happen during COVID that I was able to do compared to you know other um, students was. I was able to come in half days with my students for most of the experience with COVID. And Uh um, Buddy and Loli actually would come in and meet us out on the playground to keep those visits up. And I just think having, you know, that connection during a time where, you know, it was so unsure what we were experiencing and there was a lot of anxiety, you know, everywhere you went. Uh Uh-huh. But that was a moment for the kids to just kind of be calm and, you know, feel that peace and that connection with the animals. Um, and I have noticed, you know, since since COVID that there was a couple years there where there was a lot of limited, you know, socialization and limited access to other people. So it's been nice to get back into the swing of things and have those regular visits. And I can definitely tell that the kids are really loving it. Brooke, when it comes to the response from the kids, why do you think it is that they respond, it sounds like, even more favorably to a a dog than they do to other people? What is it Mm -hmm. that's creating that? Because you would think the ability to communicate is different and everything else. But Mm -hmm. what's your what's your thinking on that? Well, I mean, when you think about 
animals versus people. You know, I think there's always this level of judgment when you're working with another human, not that we do it purposefully, but when you are reading to a dog or teaching something to a dog, like they're not judging you. They, they love you no matter what. They don't care if you're stuttering or if you can't pronounce that sound correctly. And they're just there always being supportive. And even though, you know, as humans, we try, but it's just a different feel. There's zero judgment. And I think that that's the biggest factor. They just feel confident. Like they can teach this animal and this animal is not going to look at them negatively in any way um, and isn't going to judge them based on, you know, their skills or compare them to anybody else. And in most cases where the parents get involved with things, it it seems to me that if you notice growing up that a child responds favorably to them, that they might consider getting a dog. Uh, What do you think is going on there? Because it just occurs to me that kids generally, if they really like dogs, they respond to them almost Mm -hmm. immediately wherever they are. And you would think that parents might notice that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, actually with with the parent side, like with that first boy with Down syndrome, every single Monday, um, which we no longer referred to as Monday that year, it was always Buddy Day, which is (laughs) nice to say. Welcome to Monday. Nope, it's welcome to Buddy Day. And they were immediately excited. But every single Monday, we sent a picture of that boy and Buddy to his mom. And it was just this Monday ritual. So, I mean, we love to, you know, let parents know what an impact this is having. So, you know, maybe they will go out and get their own pet. I know I have two dogs of my own at home and just seeing the way my kids interact with them and, you know, can take care of them. And it's just amazing. And I think everybody needs a dog personally. (laughs) Well, Rick, I'm sure you have an issue with that, don't you? (laughs) No, uh, I I guess my question was, uh, do you happen to have any other classroom pets or, or is it uh, something that uh, the dog carries the weight? Well, I would say the dog carries the weight, but a couple years ago, I did have a classroom bunny rabbit. Um, uh-huh. Wasn't quite the same because we weren't allowed to take him out and snuggle with him. <laughs> but uh-huh. the kids had sure. jobs, you know, caring for the rabbit. And even when, you know, on days that the rabbit wasn't there, you could tell that the kids were missing them. I mean, it's just something about animals in general. Yeah. yeah. Now, with, with the parents, have their, what has been, in general, the reaction to the parents? Do they end up, you know, maybe in, you know, parent-teacher conference come in and talk about it? Or is it something that mm-hmm. they, they bring up? Or is it just, you know, kind of background music for which, you know, they're not aware of? No, it often does get brought up. And it's funny, like, seeing, you know, Buddy and Loli and some of the other dogs for Buddy's pals, when they are out in public... I mean, they're recognized left and right. And it's, oh, hey, there's Buddy, there's Moxie. And, um, I mean, it's, it's like everybody knows knows about it and, and loves them. And it's been, you know, in my experience, I've gotten nothing but overwhelming support from parents. Um, 
So that's been nice. Brooke, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back from the break, I would like to ask you a couple of questions about what the kids and the dogs typically will do and what kind of things that you'd like to see them do in the future. We're talking with Brooke Spohn about the concept of Buddy's Pals right here on 1320 WILS. Like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com forward slash MMPets. Upload your pet's picture or check out the silly pet photos that we put up there to get you through your day. I remember when Mary- Finally, two hosts your pets can relate to. It's Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I'd like to be. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning all about Buddy's Pals, an organization that sends the uh, person with a dog and a dog into classrooms to help kids. And our guest this morning is Brooke Spohn, who is a special education teacher for the second and third grade. Brooke, what school is it that you teach at? Yeah, I am currently at Scott Elementary School in DeWitt. Okay. And is that where the majority of your work has been done with buddies, or have you been somewhere else where you ran into them? Um, Nope. The majority of my work has been at school. Yep. Okay. And when it comes to bringing them in, are there any kinds of dogs in particular in terms of the breed or type that you think have just been really, really very well received from the students? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, that's a good question. And I actually have not seen a single dog or breed that has not been, um, you know, accepted. Well, I, I feel like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they just love them all. So it sounds like more as the disposition of the dog is, is yes. the thing that matters the most. Yes, Absolutely. Interesting. And when the the dogs are in in classrooms, what kind of Mm -hmm. things do the students typically do with them? I mean, if they're going out at recess, Mm -hmm. do they get to play with the dog outside and play catch? Or what kind of things can they do with the dog? Yeah, so... The typically the dogs in into it anyways, they're not going out to recess. However, we did get lucky that year that we had COVID and we got to play with Buddy on the playground where, yeah, they did do some catch and get to throw ball. Um, but now that we're back in person and um, we're mostly, you know, in the classroom now. So in my classroom, when the dogs come in, um, you know, they just kind of, take a minute to let the kids pet them and get comfortable. Um, And then Loli and the other trainers, they typically have like a blanket that they'll put down and the dog will lay down. And then the kids in my classroom, we have like a special buddies pals bin where we have books that they've been working on reading and they'll take their book and they'll go over and and read to the dogs. Um, You know, or maybe it's, they need to work on their numbers and the dogs will, you know, the trainers sometimes will take their paw and point to the numbers and the kids just love it. And so um, it can be any academic skill that they just need to practice. Um, And the dogs are, they're always so willing and 
it's yeah, it's amazing. I'm trying to imagine this. Now, it sounds like it could be one of those scenarios where it's a one-on-one situation or it could be a class participation type activity. Are both of those the case or is there a specific one-on-one? Uh, you know, uh, give us a better flavor of, of how yeah, this works. So, yeah. So um, they actually do both. Like sometimes the trainers will come and pull a student from the classroom and they'll have one-on-one time. Um, and typically in my room, it's small group. So it might be, you know, maybe I have six kids in there at a time and we'll all be sitting on the floor and then one student at a time will be, you know, teaching the dog and the other students are watching and listening. Um, so it can be a small group. Sometimes they go into, you know, general education rooms where there's, you know, 20 some kids, um, and they can, you know, spend time that way, too. So it, it's a wide range of, of what they do when they're working with students. When you uh, communicate uh, with, with other teachers, you know, mm-hmm. um, in between classes, what's the general uh, reaction other teachers have with them? And are there certain classrooms for which having a buddy's pet in the room isn't? Uh, a feasible idea or does Buddy tend to visit, is there a certain age group that they focus on or, or, or is it kind of a universal Buddy's there for the day and and checking out all the classrooms? Yeah, definitely universal. Um, And we are able to, like if we have a student, you know, who might be struggling with, with who knows what, there's so many things. Um, but if we kind of know that there's a student that has a higher need that week, we can sign them up to actually have someone on one time with a dog. Um, and, you know, and the trainers are just, they're just so amazing. Um, what a great group of people. I mean, because they're doing a lot of interacting with the kids as well. So that's a huge factor, too. Well, I would think that would be uh, one of the more interesting elements to this because your trainers, I believe, are all volunteers, and yet yeah. trying to create a certain consistency and quality of interaction yeah. uh, has to be quite a challenge for uh, for for the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is volunteer, and it's just amazing what what they can do and how many how many new trainers they have coming in all the time. I mean, every time I see Loli, she's like, we're growing so much. It's amazing. And (laughs) for me to be able to see it, because when I first met Loli, there was no, it wasn't this big organization that had, you know, donors and, and everybody like that. It was small. It was Buddy and Loli. And to see what, what it's grown into has just been absolutely amazing. And how receptive was the school administration to doing this when it first got started? Was it something that required quite a push, or were they completely on board with it? Because I can see where uh, some teachers' unions or other Mm -hmm. types of organizations might have some objection. Right, yeah. Um, You know, and, and I don't see the back end of things, so I do know that, you know, my principal was supportive of the program. In my mind, why wouldn't you be? I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, some reasons out there, but... I yeah. just think it's fantastic, and I'm lucky that I do. I do have a principal who is very supportive of of all of you know buddy's pals. So that's been great. 
And if you could suggest the to other school teachers who I'm sure you know from your background, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. what do you suggest to them in terms of involvement and things to do with the animals? Um, you know, I mean, I would just suggest that if you're in a school where you don't have buddies, pals, to, you know, start asking questions and see if you can get get them involved. I mean, I would love to see, you know, a dog from buddies, pals that could come every single day to school. Like that would be my dream is to have it daily. Cause right now it's about once a week, which is amazing. Um, but to have, you know, a dog in our school every day, I think that would be, that would be perfect. <laughs> it sounds, I, I guess I have a quick question. Is there ever yeah. a scenario where uh, speaking of having a dog there every day, is there ever yeah. a scenario where the dog has presented an obstacle as far as a distraction for the children in regards to accomplishing things? Um, I mean, I guess it depends on how you approach it. I could see, like, maybe when they first come in, the kids are, you know, distracted because it's something new. But if that was also something they were just used to all the time, uh-huh. um, I don't. It, it wouldn't be a distraction. And the dog's... You know, if their trainers tell them to sit and watch a lesson, like, that's what they're going to do. And I think even when they're just sitting there, it's just this sense of ease that kind of falls over the classroom. And, you know, another part that I've seen that we didn't really touch on was when kids are having trouble or upset about something in the school day. I mean, I've seen Buddy in particular stop at a classroom door and you don't really know why, like Loli's not sure why. And Buddy just has this sense that, you know, somebody needs him and he's been right. Like there's been times where he just will not budge from this classroom door. And when Loli goes in, it's like, yeah, there's a student over there crying and they need Buddy for a minute. And it, I don't know. It's, it's just amazing. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. And good luck to you going forward. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, Rick, we are out of time for this week's okay. show. But on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, and Rick Bruce, my co-host, this is Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, please, please... Take good care of your pets. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, got some ideas for a show? Questions? Maybe suggestions? Just email us, mmpets at 1320wils.com or message us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash mmpets.